Welcome once again, welcome one and all along to Champ We Are United podcast, episode number five. As ever, you can find us on all the main podcast providers on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Breaker and Google Pods. And also on our own website, www.champweareunited.proboards.com. And this evening, we have with us um, part of a usual team in the form of Gull. Good evening, everyone. As I always say, unless you're listening to this during the day. Indeed. And a very special guest indeed tonight is Mr. Pete Nash, creator, of course, of Striker. And so for this podcast it really is a striker special throughout we're going to be chatting all things striker and also psychops uh, with Pete and hearing a lot about his career in the industry and his work so very good evening to you Pete. Good evening guys thanks for having me on. Great to have you great to have you with us tonight are you and are you well? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I think like everybody, um, uh, I can't wait to get into the pubs again. Uh, I'm in the Isle of Man, where we've actually, uh, I think I mentioned earlier before we came on air, we we were uh, at avoided lockdowns for most of the time that COVID's been around, uh, because being an island, we were able to, uh, to, to to eliminate it and keep it at bay. But unfortunately, we had been in a, a circuit breaker lockdown because someone from the steam packet crew caught it and passed it on. So uh, I've just heard that we're coming out of it on Monday. So the first thing I'm going to be doing is heading to the pub. Quite right, too. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. It's not escaping it, is there? No, no. But at least you guys now are able to go uh, to the pub as long as you're willing to sit outside in the freezing cold. In the cold, yeah, yeah. Just that we almost had some snow the other day, actually, just to coincide with the pubs reopening, uh, as you say, outside. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so if, if we go back to way back to 1985 and the very start of Striker, and I know that you were a fan of Garth and Axa comic strips, Pete. Um, were there any, any others or any football titles that you were a fan of growing up? Well, um, like, like, like you guys, although I'm, I certainly wouldn't count myself as uh, expert comic fans uh, as, as you two, I did read the, uh, the football comics. Um, but I have to say, uh, as, a, as a kid, um, I preferred the ordinary comic adventures. Uh, I like Tiger. I like particularly like Valiant. I loved Captain Hurricane um, and uh, the Steel Claw. I really enjoyed. I also liked the Beano because I, I just love the Bash Street kids. Yeah. So, yeah, I did read the football comics and I was a Chelsea fan, as I still am. But I can't say that... Uh, I, that, 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 that was my, my favourite in, in terms of comic stories. Football comics I would read, but I wasn't a huge fan of them. Right. Okay. And thinking about, obviously, the, the early black and white strips of Striker and, and the days with the Sun and, and Kelvin McKenzie was the editor at that time, is that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, well, I, I was working um, on the sun as, um, as a sub editor, so doing, which involves sort of designing the pages and, and doing some of the headlines. But um, really what the turning point for me and, and what uh, uh, led to me doing Striker was um, seeing the, um, the comic strips that would come in from the, uh, the Spanish artists in particular, the ones who would, I would call would, would draw the real skillful real life drawings rather than the cartoony type strips and one of them was as you say AXA um, which was a sci-fi fantasy strip about a very sexy young blonde girl who was, was always um, seemingly in adventures that involved having no clothes on or very little clothes <laughs> and um, and I, I just I just looked at the artwork and I I was always envious because I'd loved art at school but um and particularly comics as well. And, I, and I, it was something that I would wanted to do, but I was worse than being discouraged by the teachers. I was told to forget about any ambitions I had in that respect. And, um, and, I, think, and I think that had a, a pretty um, 
bad impact on me because I was basically being told to forget about the ambitions that I had and to, and to concentrate on doing a more menial down to earth job. So um, I sort of went off the rails a bit after school and managed to, a long story, but ended up um, working as a journalist on, on the sun. And when I saw those AXA strips and the just absolutely fantastic artwork, I, th I thought to myself, well, I wonder if I could um, do a strip myself now that I was working on a, a national newspaper and would be able to at least provide, and I you know, came up with the right strip, be able to show it to the editor. So the first thing I realized in, in that was, was that uh, not having gone to art school or anything and, and having been told that discouraging news by the careers teachers at school, um, I knew that my whatever I, I worked on wasn't gonna be good enough to show the editor unless I actually practiced. So I spent six months, at least six months really, just working every spare minute of my time on, on uh, perfecting my drawing techniques. Um, and then, the other problem that I had was coming up with uh, a title or a, or a theme for a comic strip that hadn't really been done before, because you mentioned the other great comic strip that, that, that was in the Daily Mirror at the time, Garth. So Garth and Axa, they were both sort of sci-fi strips, although Garth was a contemporary one. So I thought, well, I'm not going to really be able to come and do something that's similar to that because it needed to be different. And as I thought about it, it just seemed to me in 1985, this is now, that uh, a football strip would be a good thing to do, but one that wasn't aimed so much at um, kids in the way Roy the Rovers originally was, um, but to do one that would appeal to adults more. So that's how Striker came about. And, and the, uh, the, the, the problem I had once I'd done the first sort of half a dozen strips was not only did, did I know that it, even though I'd practiced for so long that the artwork really wasn't up to the, anywhere near the standard of, for instance, Axa and, and Garth, but also I would have to convince the, uh, the editor who, was, who, as you say, was Kelvin McKenzie at the time, that it, that it was, um, that the strip was worth taking a punt on. And I think the, uh, but, but luckily for me, the, 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 a lot of people can aim a lot of criticisms at Kelvin McKenzie, but one great thing about him, aside from being a fantastic um, newspaper editor, was that he would have time to speak to anybody from uh, from Rupert Murdoch right down to the T-boy. So he was happy to have a look at my strips. And, and he, you know, he's, he's not like people are today that say, well, I'll, I'll have to talk to somebody else about it and see what they think. Kelvin had the confidence to say, let's give it a go. And he... Uh, I think the, I think the one question he, he asked me was uh, after he'd been through the first strips, he said, well, what's going to happen next? And I said, well, you know, it's about the, these adventures of the young guy, Nick Jarvis, and, you know, he's going to become a footballer. But beyond that, I haven't really thought too much about what happens. And he said, mm, is there going to be any shagging in it? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so uh, there, was only, there was only one answer to that question. So I said, oh, yeah, yes, Kelvin, if you want it to be. He said, yeah, go on then, we'll give it a go. I must be mad. And um, so they ran it. And I, I didn't think it would last for 35 days, let alone 35 years. So, um, so there you go. That's, that's how it started. I think in um, previous podcasts, um, Rob and I and a few of the others have all mentioned that we were big fans of the black and white era. We really were. We absolutely loved the black and white era. So it's worth mentioning that. Yes, very much. Yeah. Would Would you say Nick Jarvis is based in any particular real life character at that stage? Um. Well, he just there's two things. The first one is it's about um, Gull on the black and white artwork. I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute. Yeah. But the um, when you say about Nick Jervis, was he um, was Nick based on anyone? I think. Um, very early on, though, he wasn't. He was just really just a young guy, and I wanted him to be an, an unassuming character, not not your obvious cocky hero. So um, that that was all I had in mind at that time. But as as it time wore on, and towards 1994, after um, Nick went to Warbury Warriors, and uh, and 
and ended up working for the uh, Eric Openshaw, the, 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 the Lancashire or Yorkshire chairman, take your pick. The, the two of them started, whether deliberately or not, they just started to become like in a relationship similar to the one that Terry and Arthur had in Minder. Yes. <laughs> so I was quite happy with, with, with that and it, and it seemed to work well. But it wasn't, it was more of it just sort of um, an evolutionary thing rather than a deliberate uh, move on my part. But going back to what, um, to what Gull said about the black and white artwork, um, I, I, it's, it's interesting because obviously when I when I look back on that artwork now, I can appreciate that um, I can appreciate it for its flaws uh, and for the fact that it is so roughly drawn. But at the time, I was never happy with it. I was always aware that it was nowhere near really good enough to, of, the, of the standard that AXA and, and Garth was, and so. So I was never happy with it. And, and I remember when I did the first Striker Annual, I actually changed some of the strips because and, and redrew them three years later because I hated, I just thought it was so bad. And, and now, of course, I wished I hadn't changed any of those early strips for the annual because um, I think that's what people want to see. They want to see that, that original artwork as rough and ready as it was. So, so that's one thing. But, but the other is that... Um, and even now that I am able to evaluate it, looking back on the 35 years and how it's changed from those black and white drawings to the, the 3D generated art that it, that it, that it ended on, um, I have to say that for, for, for me, it, it's the 3D artwork that, that really stands out as, as what defines Striker. And I, and I say that purely as a, as um as an, uh, i suppose i can't really be objective because it, it, it's bound to be a subjective view but i look at it not as a comics fan but but as, as someone who just sort of enjoys striker and any and anything that i do as whether it be cyclops as well something as a, a as an art form that's entertainment and whether it's drawn or whether it's computer generated it doesn't really matter to me I'm, I'm not an enthusiast to the same extent that I know some comics fans are and and uh, and I and I can be you know quite critical I think of some of the drawn art that I see nowadays because I think it lacks um, particularly with facial expressions it lacks people's you know the, the moods that sometimes need to be conveyed and yes you can see the fierce expressions that the the heroes have when they're shouting and, and they're angry um but but usually when i look at it or often when i when i look at a lot of that artwork i think it, it's too static and i remember a lot of those think criticisms were complaints that, that were lodged at striker when it first went into 3d but that 3D artwork over the years has changed massively, and I think the way the way it it, it has been when it ended, um, and and I've got my artists, 3D artist Simon Ravenhill, to thank for that. I just think the the artwork is fantastic in in 3D art, and uh, there was movement in it, and there were expressions on the faces, and and it just it was light years ahead of of what it was when it was when it was drawn. So. Um, so I, I, so I'm not. I think what I'm saying is, is, is I enjoy any kind of art as long as it, you can feel that you're immersed in the storyline, and the and and the artwork, you know, takes you along with it. If that makes sense, I don't know if it does. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you mentioned there Simon Ravenhill as your your one of your early 3D artists, and, and clearly he was he was key in in the development of the story. And the artwork round about that thing. Well, Simon Simon joined in uh, 1999, just after uh, about a year after I did the first experimental um, 3D strips myself. Uh, I mean, I had to get I had to train myself up in, in, to do it. And and if I if I was to go back to that time, uh, I probably wouldn't have have done it because it, there was a massive learning curve, and I, I I got a couple of animators to help me learn the um, how to use the uh, the software but I got to the stage where it was too late to turn back so I persisted but it really um, it really took off when I, I started hiring 3D artists and Simon Ravenhill had been with me from day one right up until the time it ended um, at the end of uh, was it 20, 2019 
So he, he like me, we, we, we just um, having, having, obviously doing striker every day, you can't but fail to get better and better at, at everything. And so when you, again, when you look at the 3D art, even the, the, the way it was when that first started in 98, 99, looks so much different to how it ended. And I think that's good. I mean, that, that one of the great things about, about not just Stryker, but all, all those comic strips, Garth, particularly if you look at Garth when that started in the Second World War and what it looked like when it ended, although it had different artists doing that, it's, it's, it's amazing to look at how the styles of artwork change over the years. And it's, it's just great to, to have that and, to, and to, to have that preserved so that you can look back on it. Yeah, thank you, Alvin, very much so. And I'm just quite interested in, in obviously the fact that you use real life Premier, Premier League or First Division teams from, from the early days. Was, was there any issue around that time in getting the rights to, to use the real names and, and teams and whatnot? What rights? No, the days of big money that we have now in football. Yeah, it it it, it didn't crop up except that there, there, there was one incident which I'll, I'll I'll touch on in a minute. But uh, I think the um, so how that happened it, it, again, I, I think it's a reflection of the fact that uh, where a striker started off with fictitious teams. I mean, he, Nick played for Thamesford when he started his career and then he, he went to Warbury Warriors, which again is another fictitious team. But I was aware as I was doing it that, that it just, to, to me, it didn't seem realistic ha having all these fictitious teams. And, and I thought, well, I wonder if it would be better if he could make Striker better by having Warbury, albeit they're a fictitious team, play real opposition. So that was my thinking and the reason for doing it. And I think all I really did was just ask one of the lawyers at the Sun whether that would cause problems. And I think there was um, a warning flagged up about being careful to not to flout any of the rules surrounding image rights, which are pretty ambiguous anyway in the UK. So in other words, it, it, I could use the images and I could use the names, but I had to be careful of using any faces if, uh, for um, if, if it involved commercial gain, right, right. because it could look like the, the, the footballers were endorsing something. Well, in this case, it wasn't. All I was doing was producing a comic strip that people enjoyed, and, it, and, I, and the Sun wasn't selling more copies by virtue of the fact that I was having Warbury play Liverpool, so it was, it was okay. But the, um, there was one complaint that came from um, Ken Bates, who was the manager, who was the chairman of Chelsea at the time, Chelsea being my club. And he, uh, I, I don't know how many people know about Ken Bates, but he's, uh, he looks like Captain Birdseye. And he, and he, <laughs> and he, is, uh, yeah. he is a real, um, a real character. Mm. And, he, um, and he always assumed that he knows, he knew more about anything than anybody else. So he, he wrote a complaining letter to the Sun saying he, uh, he quite enjoyed reading Striker, but... Uh, if, if I really wanted to make Striker popular, what I would do is stop featuring Chelsea and, um, and have um, Warbury play um, fictitious teams like Roy the Rovers used to do. Mm -hmm. So that was very kind advice, but um, advice which uh, I, was, um, I thought it'd be best to ignore. And then about a year later, it cro he cropped up again when he, um, he complained because he saw that we were using the Chelsea badge. Now, the, the badges of the clubs are actually copyrighted. So he was able to insist that we stop using the badge. So I just put something similar that looked like a Chelsea badge on, 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 on the Chelsea kits whenever Warbury were playing with them. But, but it was, I mean, it's a, a ridiculously trivial thing for the chairman of a, of, a, of, a, of a Premier League football club to get involved in. But that was Ken Bates for you. You mentioned uh, Thamesford there. Uh, um, I, I read from the very first strip, and of course, the very first strip, he was at Oak Vale, wasn't he, if uh, I remember rightly? And wasn't that an FA Cup tie against Manchester United? Blimey, your memory's better than mine. That, I think you're absolutely right. So he played for, uh, so Nick played for an amateur team called Oak Vale, and they were in the third round of the FA Cup, weren't they? Yeah. And, yes. um, and they were drawn against Manchester United. And... I think I can't remember whether they. I think they lost to Manchester United, but the um, 
but the the the, the uh, now who was it? Well, how did he go to Thamesford? I'm trying to rack my brains here to think <laughs> how he went. I, I from... can't believe I can't believe I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I, I, I believe that was... you were spotted by a talent scout. Yeah, yeah, there was a talent scout I think there from from Thamesford. So even though, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, and he, even though Oakdale lost to um, to Manchester United, it was the uh, the the talent scout at uh, at Thamesford who spotted him and signed him. I think that's what happened. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure one of the fans will will, will correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. No, I think. I think that. I think that was pretty much spot on. Um, but yeah. Um, back to you, uh, Rob. Yeah. Just just thinking about Thamesford again and merchandising, which was was uh, quite an early feature, wasn't it, with the the Thamesford replica kit, and then of course merchandising would go on to become quite a feature of striker as well in various ways. Well, merchandising, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing with the striker merchandising. I, I, I think the, um, I remember we did that Thamesford kit in the, and it was advertised in the first annual. And, I, and that came about because Umbro, um, I, th I think they, they agreed to um, make the kits themselves in return for Umbro being mentioned in the strip. So in the sun, so that that was a very easy, straightforward thing to do because it, it, it really didn't cost me a lot of money other than to to do a few basic costs. And Umbro carried the bulk of it. So um, we did we did that. And we advertised advertised the the kits and we sold them. But the problem was after Striker left the Sun, and I, and I know the fans were always saying, "Look, what, let's do see more merchandising, let's see more kits." But the problem was. Once you didn't have um, a sponsor who who, um, who was working with a national newspaper who was willing to foot the cost in return for publicity, it meant that the cost was going to really going to fall on me to do it, unless somebody was willing to come along and say, "Well, we'll take the risk and um, you know and see how it goes and, and split the profits." But that didn't happen. So whenever I've done the kids, I, I had to take the financial risk to to get them made up front. And then uh, and sell them and hope that I would uh, make a profit on them. And that's be really been the case with with everything, with the comics, with the books and everything. So I understand the frustration of some of the fans who have always asked to see more merchandise. But the, I don't think they quite understand the, 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 the difficulty when you when you become independent to to. Uh, to, to do that it, it's a lot i mean when i was working at the sun so many companies would want to get involved in sponsorship and promotions that they would come to you rather than you go to them but that's not the case once once striker became independent you're on your own and it was it was a, it was a lot tougher and the other thing was i was always focused on actually doing the strip so and that and that involved um even though simon and the 3d artists were doing the artwork i was still involved in doing the storyboards finishing off the artwork in in photoshop and also writing the the, the strips because that that i think that's one of the things the other things that people maybe don't realize is that a lot of the uh, other strips that you see including garth um and axa that we spoke about and most any of the ones that you can think about particularly the newspaper strips and the ones even now in the comics in 2000 ad etc they're all usually written by someone and then drawn by someone else and not just drawn by someone else, but penciled by someone else, then inked by someone else and then, and then colored in by someone else and then lettered by someone else. So with Stryker, it, 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 it was uh, at the end, it was just um, a, a two man uh, business with me and Simon. Right. So we, we, it was always been a, a lot, a lot of work doing Stryker, a massive amount of work. I don't think people realize that but but it's it's been a labour of love for sure. Going back to the uh, the Thamesford strip in the first annual, I've got to say it was such a joy to see that it it was very big in about the third or fourth page uh, to see. Well, I know it was a white strip, but in colour. But the one thing that sticks out for me from that first annual was the team drawing on the back cover. Uh, to see the team in colour was an absolute joy. Absolute joy. Oh yeah, I remember that. I'm going to. Um, I know this. This would be annoying for the, um, the listeners, but I'm just going to grab the um, the book to see. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it now. And they're all standing there. Yeah, it's in colour. And that was a, probably the first um, colour um, rendition of um, Striker when um, Nick was playing for Thamesford. Yeah. 
So that's on the back of the um, of the um, the very first uh, book, which of which there are more copies than that very rare second one. So yeah, yeah. Well, I've forgotten about that. And look at those characters. <laughs> Wonderful, really was. No, it was just so nice to see them in colour. It really brought them to life. Yeah, and, and and again, that touches on on, on what you're saying as well about the, the the artwork. So so I guess when you say that you've enjoyed the black and white artwork, what you're really talking about is the actual drawn artwork, not so much that it was black and white, but the, but the hand drawn artwork. Am, am I correct? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. It had a sort of uh, a realism to it. Yeah, I I, I think I, I would go along with that. I know exactly what you mean, and. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about is uh, when I come to do the very last striker book, which I think by my calculations would be in the end of uh, 2023, it may well be that I could do, uh, to, to finish the whole thing off, is to do um, a kind of striker catch up, where are they now strip, which would involved me drawing the um the strips myself and lettering them which uh which would make sense because simon for instance is now working for a computer games company so he probably wouldn't be able to do that himself but that might be a nice way to um to sign off if i was able to do that so i am giving some, some thought to that um, but i know, but i know what you mean about the artwork it's and i and i think with with that um the the art that that that, that i drew when uh, Nick Jarvis had, had uh, gone to uh, Warbury. Obviously, that was 10, 12 years after I first started doing Striker. Uh, and I think having done it every, every day for so many years, my artwork had improved by then. So I think it, 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 it did look a lot better. So I, I probably think those, the golden artwork years of Striker were from probably 1994, 1993, up until at the time it went into. Uh, 3D as, as far as the drawn art was concerned. So yeah, I, I, I would agree with you on that, Gal. And the value of those two uh, uh, annuals, my word, I mean, we mentioned it in the, the last podcast, they've, they've gone through the roof, they really have. And I know you responded on the uh, Striker Facebook page about, about that, but uh, yeah, what are your feelings on that? Strange. Um, uh, I, I, I suppose it makes sense, particularly with the second book, because there, as for, from memory, I, I self-published those as an, as an experiment because the first one was in the shops. But my God, all, all the profits seem to just go to the distributors and, and the uh, news agents. So, so I self-published it as, as an experiment, and I only did a, a print run, I think, of two thousand. So, so that's a very that's very rare. So that's understandable. But I'm surprised that the first one that was, I think was it Mick had said on on the um, on on Facebook that, that he knew of uh, the first book that had been sold for 150 pounds. So yeah, that I found that surprising. I mean, I got my copy of the first one, um, obviously back when it was released, and then in house moves, somehow it disappeared. But I did manage to get a copy again off eBay, and this was about eight years ago and even then uh, that cost me 40 pounds so it was on its way up even then <laughs> well uh, i think really if uh, what, what those annuals show is is that uh, if people hang on to them for long enough like so many things that they will go up in value but there's um you, you do have to to keep them for a while and i know that um uh, when uh, I don't know if you recall, but um, in 2005, we issued some shares for people who were uh, buying into yeah. the comics. And they, um, when the whole thing ended and Striker went back to the sun, obviously I didn't have enough money to refund them the money that they'd invested in their shares. So I did them some bespoke artwork, some shareholder prints. And um, I know that some people tried to sell them re re quite soon afterwards. I don't know whether they were successful or not, but but that was far too soon for, for them to appreciate in value. So really, I, th I think for things like that, <laughs> they'll have to wait till I'm dead and gone, and then they'll really have value. One of, one of my own heroes as, as a football fan is Gary Holt. Um, see, he supports the same team as me, uh, which is Kilmarnock. 
And he played in a, a cup winning side back in the late 1990s before going on, of course, to play for Norwich City. So I was delighted to see him appear as a columnist in the, the magazine uh, once it appeared, and, and that ran for a good few issues. So did, did you work directly with, with Gary over the phone, or, or did he email in his uh, column for a week? Um, how that came about was um, uh, it was quite extraordinary. So, uh, for the, for the um, any listeners that don't understand this um, particular time, this was in two thousand and three. Striker had had left the Sun, so I, I'd, I'd given a year's notice to leave the Sun because um, Kelvin had left a few years earlier, and there was a new regime there. They were trying to claim ownership of the IP rights of Striker. And the relationship deteriorated to the extent that I really felt that I had to leave and go it alone. So I independently started the, um, the comic with, with money that was equity in, in my house. And looking back, that was quite naive because you really needed some millions to, 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 to do a weekly comic. But Gary, bless him, he just suddenly, no sooner had we started the, um, the comic than I think a week or so later, he, he just got in touch and said, can I help? And um, so we, we had a discussion. I didn't really know how he was going to help, but we spoke about it. And he said he would, he would effectively be an ambassador to help in any way he could. He'd talk about Striker and promote it to his, um, you know, his Facebook and was Facebook going then? I don't, I don't know, but there was there was social media or tweets or something. He he would um, promote it, and then um, my editor Steve McKenley um, came up with the idea that he could write a column for us. So the problem was there that uh, I said to Steve, "Well, we're not going to be able to afford to to pay him to write a column." And Steve had a, a chat with him, and and Gary just said, "Look, I don't want paying. I just you know, I'd love to do it. I'd love to help out if you think that you know, a column would be good." So. Um, that, that's exactly what he did, and Steve would ring him up every uh, every week after he played to ask him about his views on how the, the game went, because at the time he was playing for Norwich City or in the Premier League, although they did get relegated that season. And it was a great column because uh, it was a unique insight, I think, to the to to what footballers think as they play in, in a in a in a top level game. And I remember also that um, uh, we were able to get a great exclusive. Um, when Gary had, had uh, played for Scotland, and I can't think where it was, but they lost uh, in an away trip in, in Europe. And when the, the Scottish team arrived back, the Scottish fans were spitting or, or certainly jeering the, the, uh, the, the Scottish team as they arrived back. And Gary was understandably uh, upset along with the rest of the players by this. And, and he told Steve, and Steve mentioned it in the column in the comic, and it was picked up by um, the national newspapers as well, who, who did a story on it. So, um, and, and they credited the Striker comic before it, the newspapers did. So that, that was good for us. But Gary, it, it was just a fantastic thing to do. And, it, and I went up to see him in um, Scotland and uh, I, he insisted I stay with him overnight. He made a nice cooked breakfast the next morning. <laughs> so it, it, was, um, it, it, was, it was just fantastic. And it was, it was, it was a lovely thing for him to do. When he didn't need to do it, and uh, it just showed that he's um, he's kind-hearted and a comic fan to boot. Absolutely. What was what was the sort of difference in in circulation once the comic moved to nuts after the sun? So now we're we're talking about um, moving to 2010, um, 20, 2010. So. At that time, I, it was a difficult time for me because the, the relationship with the son just hadn't, hadn't improved. And at best, I think you could describe it as being indifferent. The son were indifferent to Striker. They, they, they enjoyed the fact that it was popular with the readers, but the paper itself never got behind it in the way that Kelvin did with Striker. If Kelvin was there, he, 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 he would promote it on page one. And that, and that was great. It, it, it was all you needed as a, as a, as a comic creator to, to realise that your work was being appreciated. And in 2009, the Sun were running Striker, but there was never any feedback from them. There were no complaints either, but it was, as I say, it was, it was just indifference. 
and then on top of that, I, I think um, uh, I, I felt that uh, it was becoming harder and harder to come up with new stories. And, and when I did come up with a new story, sometimes it just seemed like a variation on a theme. So I think with those two factors combined, it was it was leading me to think that um, I think it was time to end Striker, which is which is what I did. So I ended it for a, a second time or third time. I sometimes I lose count of the number of times I left the Sun, but it was uh, so. So I left it then, really with the intention of just trying to think of of some other things to do. And um, I know that um, Gal mentioned Psychops, which probably we'll talk about later on, but but. Um, Psychops had come to mind and I thought well maybe I could write some other things perhaps a screenplay it, it was writing that I really wanted to do so that was what um, I resigned from the sun with the intention of doing but no sooner had I done that than um, the nuts which had recently started I think along with um, with, with zoo yeah. the uh, they got in touch with me and asked if I'd be interested in doing a strip for the for them each week the problem was that uh, with it being coming out every every week instead of every day, like the Sun did, if you had just one page of Striker in in the uh, in nuts, then by the time the next issue came out a week later, the readers would have forgotten what took place the previous week. Well, they're not not completely forgotten, but it, the continuity was lost. So that wasn't really working, and I tried to cram as much into that one page that they that they gave Striker, but um, I, I didn't feel that was working. So um, I ended that after I think um, I think it ran for maybe um, eight eight or nine months through through 2010, and nuts were really good as well. That they, they promoted, they did posters, they put them up at the football ground. So, so they they really got behind Striker in, in the way that the Sun didn't. But I, I think it was the format just wasn't working with one page in a, in a weekly magazine. So um, so that that ended in um, 2010, and and I think there was a two or three year gap before. Um, uh, striker came back in the sun for a third time and that was really um a combination of i think i'm trying to think who the editor was at the time it was rebecca rebecca brooks right so um and, and it was the usual thing when it when it came back and i and i, and I was quite happy at, by then for striker to go back because uh, I'd, I'd gone to work in abu dhabi there's a long story attached to this but i was working for steve mckenley who was my editor on the comic he'd gone to abu dhabi to edit a sports paper so i went over there to help him um design the pages and and to be the art director so that distracted me from doing the writing projects and and i and i was by that the time that finished i was quite happy for striker to go back to the sun and the sun were quite happy for for striker to go back as well but it, it, again, it, you, you just know at that stage that, it, that it's not suddenly going to be all rosy if, if it wasn't before. And it wasn't. And so from the time it went back in 2013 to when it ended in 2019, it was really just a question of, of, of going through the motions with Striker in the sun because they were never going to get behind it again the way they did when in the early days. So I think there just, there just comes a time when you reluctantly have to accept that if you don't end striker, then it's not going to end on a high, and 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 I hated the idea of, of ending it on a low, when people had feel it's just you know it it had, it had gone too far and well past its shelf by date. Some some sell sell by date. Some people would say it, it did anyway, but I I don't think so. I th I think for the thirty five years that it went, I, I think it, it was an amazingly eventful time. Um, and I know also that some people said that they were disappointed with the way it ended in the comic, but I don't agree with that either. I think that it needed to be wrapped up. You didn't want people to be mowed down by machine guns or anything. You wanted to just give them a good send off and, and that's what happened. So, um, and, it, and, it, and it leaves things open for me, as I said earlier, to do something in the very last Striker book, which will be due to be published in 2013, so, sorry, 2023. So that is something I'm really giving some serious thought to. Well, that'll be fantastic if, if we do do that. I think it's fair to say there might be a certain amount of uh, readers of The Sun that followed Striker that might not have followed it to nuts, being sort of a different type of uh, magazine so it, it, it's great that they're going to be in the volumes because there'll be certain people that haven't even read that period of time 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. I, th I think the ma majority of um, of certainly sun readers who follow Striker would not have brought nuts. Some of them would, but um, a lot of them wouldn't. In fact, most of them wouldn't have done. So I think it's going to be volume 16. Volume 15 is coming out in May. And in volume 16, that will be the book that will have those nut strips in them. I think they're about 39 pages, which represent 39 weeks. And the stories were actually quite good. They, those, those particular ones in, in Nuts magazine were very much more light-hearted strips. So you, you may be aware that Stryker over the years often alternated between an adventure that was mostly wacky comedy sometimes, and then it would be followed by a very um, quite dramatic strip that, that, that could have even tragedy as, as well as drama in it. Yeah. So readers never knew what to expect from one story to another but when it was in nuts because of the very nature of what nuts was you know a, lad, a lads magazine that i made a point of making sure that those stories were were really much more light-hearted to give the readers a laugh than, than i would otherwise have done yeah 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 i think you really touched on the enduring appeal of striker there because of the not only the variety of characters which you would introduce across different time periods but but you know, you didn't, as you said, you didn't quite know what to expect. Was it going to be a, a, a storyline of, of greater drama? And then it was back to, to, to more comedic. Um, and I, I, I think that's, a, as you said, a, it's a great strength of the storyline throughout the whole uh, 35 years. Yeah, and, and, and I think, again, the, the, the reason for that was just really, I, I think I was always terrified like like of really failing with striker um, i always wanted it to to be fresh and 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 uh, terrified of the readers becoming bored of it so i would always try and think of of, of how i could do that to keep it going and to and to make it endure so the um for, for me it, it, it just seemed a, a very good way of of keeping the variety going by by intermixing the um the, the comedy with drama. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they would mix. You'd have you'd have equal amounts in the same story. Other times it would be just comedy and no drama and and so forth. But um, that was also a reflection, I think, of, of the fact that I I wasn't happy just writing comedy strips, yeah. but neither was I happy just doing hard drama. So the variety suited me as well as much as the readers. Mm. And, I know that, um, that I was going to say, say uh, I don't know if you were going to go over to um, Cyclops. You mentioned that earlier, but Cyclops was obviously was, was a different uh, bag completely because that was a contemporary sci-fi strip oh, right, that, yeah. that, was, um, that, did have, that did have a bit of comedy to start with very early on while it was struggling to find its feet. But, but uh, it soon became a strip that was mainly, um, mainly drama and just little touches of, of, of comedy, I think. I think um, having the Cyclops book myself, I love the story that's in the, the front few pages about how the book compilation came to be and what happened with the, the strips. Uh, uh, do tell us more about that because it's a fantastic story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the, the Cyclops book came about really because... Um, I, I probably I hadn't forgotten that I did the strips. That the Cyclops is um, for, for listeners who don't know is um, was a strip that ran for about four or five years in the sun, alongside Striker when it was when Striker was a drawn strip. Um, so I was doing two strips at the time, and I, and I started drawing as well as writing um, Cyclops. So how I did the two strips, I've no idea, but but I did for a while, and um, it was um, it was a bit of a X filey types, text files type yeah. of strip. Although um, that was purely by accident because uh, I saw that X files had started after I'd mapped out Striker. So um, anyway, I sort of forgotten uh, that, that I'd done these strips. And then um, when Striker ended, I thought, well, this is a perfect time now to dredge those strips up and do um, a Striker, uh, sorry, a, a Cyclops book that had all the um, adventures in it. And, and I'd worked out that I could get it all into one book, all those, all those um, strips into one book. And then I was, as I was um, compiling them, I was just horrified to discover that I, I, I completely lost the, um, the coloured strips for 1997. I had the black and white ones, but um, obviously that, that would mean me having to colour in 
a whole load of um, strips, you know, 360 odd strips or 350 strips um, from scratch. And the problem there was that even if I did that, it, it, the, the problem then with the color would, wouldn't be the same as, it, as the first color strips that would appear. So let's say somebody knew or somebody had access to those early strips and then they saw the new ones, they'd see that it had been recolored and that would sort of destroy the magic of the bit of it. So I thought that was really frustrating for that to happen. I had no idea what had happened to those strips. And then John Freeman, who runs the um, a comics expert, he runs um, his website, Down the Tubes. He said to me, because I told him that I was hoping to do this and I told him what had happened. And he came back a week later and he said that um, he'd come across a guy in London who um, had uh, been following Psychops when it was in the sun and he'd collected every single strip of the whole five years. So, I, I mean, I was just amazed, absolutely amazed. So he put me in touch with him um, and I went down to London to meet him. And we, uh, we met in a pub in... in um, near um near Hyde Park Corner and to my astonishment he not only had all the strips but he put them into a huge album and kept them very neatly in order right. and the uh I looked at them and I thought you might how could this be this is just is just like impossible <laughs> but there they were the strips were there and the the only problem was they had to be rescanned and slightly um enhanced because obviously the, the, sometimes the print in the sun wasn't very good in terms of reproduction but it but it, it saved my bacon and uh so um i gave him the credit we took a picture and um and i gave him some signed strips i think i gave him a signed access strip as well which right. he was really pleased about yeah. i've no idea how i came to have that strip but i haven't got it now <laughs> he has <laughs> you also um did it under a pseudonym as well didn't you because uh, obviously it was a very very different style storyline to striker well, that wasn't the reason that it, that, that it went under the name Wilbur. The, the reason that happened wasn't my choice. And it was, um, it, it was the, the idiotic uh, cartoons editor at The Sun at the time said, well, what are you going to um, call yourself? And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, well what name are you going to give? I said, well, Pete Nash. And he said, well, no, that's, that's the name you do under Striker. And I couldn't see what the problem was. In, in having my name on, on Cyclops as well, but he seemed to think it was. So um, he said, can you think up um, an alias? So uh, I chose Wilbur because that had been the, the nickname that the um, newspaper printers gave me when I was working uh, on a, a newspaper in Sydney in Australia. But why I had to be call myself Wilbur in the first place, I, I've no idea. But there you go. <laughs> and so, the, so the fans never knew that it was um, it was Pete Nash, the, the striker creator, who was doing it. And for any listeners that are curious about Psychops, I can highly recommend do search it out because it really is a great addition to your collection, and of course, it, it enhances the whole uh, Pete Nash universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it's um. That it, I, I enjoyed doing Psychops and I, and I ended it when um, uh, I, I did Striker in 3D because that, as I said earlier, involved so much work that it was then just impossible for me to write Psychops and do all, all the um, enlarged Striker. I, th I think the other thing, by the way, is, is when you were talking about the artwork, I always wanted to increase Striker, make it more like a soap opera. So that meant that um, it would involve, involve different artists, which in turn would have uh, would have created a different style each day in the sun. Well, whereas with 3D artwork, you can have different artists working on it, but the style would be consistent. So there was a practical reason for, for switching to 3D art. But anyway, with, with, with Psychops, I, I did enjoy doing it. And it was a very different um, style of um, strip to striker. I, I, it was one that I probably had more of an affinity with in that kind of contemporary sci-fi drama than I do with football and and I was lucky enough to get a, a a really fantastic comic artist to do the um the last few years of the strips which is John Burns he lives down in Cornwall I think he's still he's still alive um brilliant brilliant comic artist and he um he did the strips for the last two or three years and I think they were that they were without doubt the, the, the best strips in Psychops. In the, the final episode of our final issue of Striker, you, you mentioned 15 of your favourite, your own favourite storylines. Is, is there any one in particular that stands out from the many? 
the favourite striker storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it would have to be when uh, when Nick had his at his uh, leg severed in the shark yeah. attack in in, <laughs> in Sydney. I, I think I think it would have to be that as the one standout strip. And I, I always knew that uh, he was going to come back to to, um, to at least to try to play. Um, even though the shark had, had bitten his leg off, and people always say to me, "Oh, come on! That that was you, you've heard you've heard of that um, moment when when a stripper or something jumps the shark. It was it was yeah. done in yeah. um, Happy Days in the Fox. Happy Days, yeah, yeah. So if you pardon the pun, people would have said that a bit about striker though. He couldn't possibly come back after having his leg bitten off. But what people don't know is is that. Um, I, that, no, most well, all of the stories that I do, if they, they have a, a real factual um, base to them, and there was a story at the time of a of a kid who had his right arm bitten off by a shark in Florida, and they stitched it back on. Neurosurgeons put it back on, and so he survived. And so when um, Nick was able to have his leg reattached after the um, the coast guard shot the shark and took his <laughs> took his leg out of its belly it was actually based on real life so um and it, and it was without doubt the most dramatic storyline so many letters and uh, came in from the readers and the, and the sun did a huge uh, page lead a whole page on it saying because pete i think people had rung up the sun saying is that the end of striker and so the sun did a story saying no this is not the end of striker but that's what it looked like so in that respect it, it was a fantastic um cliffhanger of the story and yes i think that's the one that that is the standout striker story of all time i would say yes I would and the cover of that particular volume is iconic i absolutely love the shark attack cover really do <laughs> sometimes so that, i in my yeah, collection and, 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 Sorry, sorry, Gal, but but isn't isn't that um isn't that a testament to uh, the 3D artwork? Yeah. I, I, I would yeah. say, because Absolutely. I don't think drawn artwork would would create that same sense of, of realism. It was no. it was almost uh, an iconic image, I think. <laughs> and uh, and I was um, strange enough, I was talking to Simon, my my 3D artist, the other day, and we were discussing another great piece of art that he did that was um, that comes up in the next book in volume 14. And it involves, I, I won't, I'll be careful because I don't want to give the story away, but it involves um, a face that's uh, a, dr a drowning face beneath um, some ice, a sheet of ice. Now, I can remember thinking at the time, how, how what's this going to look like when it comes out? And Simon just did the most fantastic job, so realistic. And again, there's no way that drawn art would, would have had the same effect so that's why I say when people say oh they prefer the the drawn art or they prefer the 3d art I don't think really for me it, it's a question of what was better it's just it, it the both both are good but they're different and personally I preferred the 3d art for the for the realism that, that it contained but I accept your earlier arguments that uh, when it when it first started certainly it looked a mess compared to the um uh, the, the drawn art that I was doing when it when it ended in 1998. Fans have been heavily involved I think it's, it's fair to say in a very loyal fan base of course the striker through the years and going back to even Earlier times where there was a five-a-side football tournament, wasn't there, put together with teams from across the country? There was. And, I mean, first of all, striker would be nothing without the fans. I mean, I mean, every creator probably says that, but the striker fans are just extraordinary. There's, You probably know that yourselves. Yeah. They're so... They're so they're not just loyal, but they're understanding. And so when there's been problems with their books hadn't turned up or whatever it is, that they're always patient. And we've I've had such a good relationship with them. They're just fantastic. But yeah, the, what you're talking about here was um, uh, a national five-a-side cup that I organised. I think it was in 1990 when Striker was in the Sun, and it was open to five-a-side teams from all around the country, whether it be from an office or a pub. And they would compete in preliminary rounds at sports centres all around the country. And then there was a, a grand final at Birmingham. And I was amazed because I, I, 
I don't know if you noticed, Rob, but it was one. Do you know who won that tournament? It was a, a team from way up north, wasn't it? Shetlands? Was it Spanish? It, it was. It was a team from the Shetland Islands, can you believe? Yeah. So, so we had these, these incredibly good teams from all the cities, you know, Manchester and London, taking part in this final. And it was won by these six or seven guys from the Shetland Islands. Oh, it was an extraordinary thing. Great bunch of lads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to touch on the um, Kickstarter campaign. Mm. Um, um, I contributed uh, to the uh, second one, but um, yeah, the fans really came through on those, didn't they, Pete? Yeah, they did, and 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 again, that was I, I think it was so disappointing with with the Kickstarter because. Um, what had happened there was this, this, this we're now talking about the last sort of couple of years of, of striker so give, given the um, the situation with the sun and it wasn't just the, the fact that the sun was indifferent now to 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 the to striker itself and didn't promote it but also the um, because the sun like all newspapers were losing sales so the the money had gone down and um it, it was really hard to even uh, to pay, you know, to pay Simon to, to, to recoup the costs of the production. So it seemed to me that, that trying to do Striker as a, a weekly comic now uh, and give it a second go as a weekly comic might just work now that the um, overheads were lower and it didn't need so much staff to, to produce it. So I gave it a go and Steve McKenley came back and he um, edited the comic again. And it was really just me and Simon and Steve McKenley who were bringing this out and Lucinda there was helping with the, with the admin. So compared to the first comic when we had about 12 staff, we, we were doing this with just, just three of us in the production team. And uh, it was, again, massively hard work. So you know, within, I think, probably five or six issues, it, it, it had dawned on me that this was going to be really tough. And if we had sales got to the level where um, we, we, more money came in, then we could take some more staff on, and that would be great. But as usual, that it's so frustrating with striker that the sales that got to a level where we weren't losing money but we just weren't making money and and again that same old problem cropped up where we had a, we had to have a distributor to get the, to get it into the new year's agents and the um the distribution costs take up more than half of of the um the cover price but then to make it worse, you have to pay to get the, the comic put into the WH Smiths and the Menses and all these places. Otherwise, they won't stock it. So the cost just of getting them into the shops was exorbitant. And we really didn't have the money to promote it in on TV or, or advertising or anything like that. So it, it was just such a struggle to keep it going, just like it was the first time round. And the um, we did the Kickstarter to try and... Um, really as, as, as a last resort to try and get the money and the fans were the obvious people to turn to just as, as, as they had helped out in the, in the first comic. And there were two typical cliffhanger style um, um, fundraising campaigns with it, particularly the last one. I think the last yeah, one, sorry to interrupt Pete, was yeah. 22p in the end, wasn't it? Something like 22p over the amount. I mean, that's unbelievable. It, it, it was, and um, it was a, a Scottish, one of our Scottish fans, as I was saying to um, Rob earlier, that, that Strikers always had a disproportionate amount of um, fans from Scotland. I've never known why, but they're, they're just fantastic fans north of the border. And it was one of our Scottish fans who, um, uh, who came to the rescue and took us over the line. Um, so so <laughs> I remember not being that happy at the time because I thought, oh, no, we're going to do another 12 comics. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we, so we, so we did, and uh, and and uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that we did that second comic, e even though it, it, it almost destroyed me and Simon. But uh, it's it's it was great to, to have it done, but it would have been foolish to try and keep it going when the writing was on the wall. So again, yeah. it's just one of those things that it's so frustrating because the fans really wanted to to support Striker and keep it going, but the circumstances were just that it was it just became impossible. Yeah. So just, just really rounding off, I uh, wonder if I could ask if you, we asked about your favourite, your own favourite storyline, do you have a favourite character? In Striker? Um, 
I don't, I'm not sure I do, but if, if you held a gun to my head, it would have to be Eric. Uh, I think he, he's the favourite for most people. Um, and, but, but also like um, Scrapper, he's just such a great character. So is Kurt, you know, the, the German. I mean, they supply the comic, Scrapper and Kurt Panzer and, and Eric and Fabian, of course. Fabian de Gieson, they supply the comedy elements of, of, yeah. of Striker. And Nick is the straight guy, really, who, who um, is always there in the middle of the drama. I love Lee Ming as well. I think she was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, strong character. Yeah. Um, so, um, no, it's, 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 I can only pick out Eric um, just if someone says, you come on, you've got to name one person. Yeah. But, but generally speaking, I think they're all, all the characters I've, I've enjoyed. Yeah. I think uh, one of the questions to round things off, you've sort of touched on already, um, uh, plans for the future. And you've said that your ideas for the final volume you're thinking about, um, that would be fantastic, really will. But uh, do you have any other plans for the future, whether it be Striker or a new project? Yes, and um, I, I think that that's one of the reasons why I, w I was saying to fans, you know, don't be too disappointed. Uh, but well, obviously they were, but about the end of Striker because it's really, to, to my mind, it's the end of the um, the comic, not Striker itself. Now, I mentioned earlier that that I wanted to focus on on writing now um, because I, I think I see myself in, in a way, I don't really see myself as, as a, as a, as a comic strip artist or, or writer or creator. I, I think I see myself more as of, of, of a storyteller. I just enjoy telling the stories and, and trying to keep you know, the reader's interest in this. So for me, what I want to do now that, um, the, the, the comic has ended is to concentrate on writing and it just seems to me that although I've got a, a whole load of um, projects and synopses that I've written over the years of various things that uh, it would be crazy to ignore the prospects of Striker as a possible TV series and, and, a, and a novel. Now I've touched on this in the um, on the Facebook forum with the fans and, I, and I've and I've spent the last sort of year or so just really trying to work out well what what's the right project to do as a as a first one. So I did I started writing a novel, the Striker novel, which I would, would which picks up on um, the Warbury era rather than when Nick was in Thamesford. And um, and then uh, I also looked at doing it as a screenplay. And then in the end, I've put both of them on the back burner because. Uh, I, I think for me, it, it, it needs more time to sort of, now that Striker has ended, it needs more time for me to reflect on, on the best approach to take. So I don't want to rush into doing something and then suddenly find that I'm not happy after 10 chapters or so and tear it up. So I've been given a lot of thought to, 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 um, to what I'm going to do. And I think also that even though I haven't really started something um, or, or haven't finished something in, in the year or so that, that Striker had ended. I don't mind that because I'm enjoying the, 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 the time to pause and, and consider what to do, having worked on Striker for, for so many hours, for so many years. So where I am now, plan we're not on plan A, B or C. I think we're on plan T or U. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I've decided to do as, as the first project is to actually write my... Um, Memoirs, an autobiography of of, uh, of of what happened, of how I came to do Striker, from um, not not just when I started Striker, but actually from uh, when I was a kid, and uh, it, it, it's uh, it's going to be might be quite interesting when this book comes out because what I've done is to go and st I've seen um, a psychotherapist. Can you believe? Because uh, the as as I was doing uh, looking back on all the uh, the experiences, and I mean there are some amazing things that that have happened. But it, it occurred to me that uh, I did a lot of reckless and crazy things in, in my time, particularly before Striker started. And uh, and I thought, well, that, 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 you know, that doesn't that's not normal behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went I went to see a, a psychotherapist. And we, we've had some, a couple of uh, interesting sessions until this lockdown kicked in. And he was able to um, identify a particular incident. I, I, I won't go too much into this because it'll take too long to explain and it will spoil the book anyway. But he was able to identify an incident that happened way back when I was at school that he thinks influenced my behaviour later in life. 
So um, I've picked up on that and I'm, and I'm using that to uh, my, my experiences with the psychotherapist. I'm using that to and will intersperse each chapter in, in this book with. Um, so, so in other words, I'll be writing chronologically and historically about things that happened earlier on. And then it'll be interspersed with the present day when I'm talking to the psychotherapist. It sounds like another daft Pete Nash idea, but it, it, I think it'll work and it, I'm looking forward to doing it. So yeah. the reason I'm doing that is be, when that's finished, that I will use that to try and get an agent. And the reason I want to get an agent is because where I've always worked in isolation on striker and, in, and on psychops, once I've got an agent, the agent will be able to use their networking skills to go and get um, publishers and maybe TV people at like Netflix and the, and the networks and the studios possibly interested. I mean, it's no guarantee it will happen. And that could open the doors to, to a whole lot of other things that I want to do. So that's the cunning plan that I've got. Whether it'll come to fruition or not, I've no idea, but I'll enjoy making giving it my best shot. Excellent. And now I'm going to have to make more space on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. But, and, th and thanks for buying the books. Oh, pleasure. Uh, Absolute pleasure. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure indeed. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to speak to us tonight on, on such a range of, of topics and insights into to your career, into Striker, into Psychops as well. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, so me too. Thank you. And I have. And thanks, thanks for inviting me. It's been great talking to you. Thanks, Pete. Thank you. So... For our, our listeners, uh, we know we, we know you will have enjoyed this one, um, this striker special brought to you by Champ. We are united, as I said earlier. You can find us on all the usual podcast outlets on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Google Pods, uh, Breaker, and Castbox as well. And do check us out on the website if you get a chance there on www. Chantweareunited.proboards.com. And thank you for, for taking the chance to listen to us. We do hope you'll give us some, some feedback as well on the Striker Facebook page. I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, as I say, I, I know that, that folks will have really enjoyed um, being able to listen to Pete and, and to hear so much about his, his career and about the, the comic we all love um, tonight. So thank you once again. And it's good night from me. That and for me. Good night. All the best, guys. Cheers. Good night from me as well. And thanks a lot, Pete. Thank you. Okay.